Hello, and welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today on the show is Beth Porter, Associate Professor of Vocal Music. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for the introduction, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and before I get into my conversation with my guest today, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Cedarville Stories podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We continue to see continued growth. We continue to see growth of subscribers, for which we are thankful. Don't miss a single episode of a future podcast by subscribing today. As for today's podcast, I am joined in studio by Beth Porter, Associate Professor of Vocal Music and the Chair of the Department of Music at Cedarville University. Beth joined the faculty in 1997, and if you've attended a Cedarville Christmas concert in the past, you understand Beth is a classically trained singer. In 2004, she was invited to be the featured soloist at the White House National Day of Prayer Ceremony, where she sang for President George W. Bush and 200 of his invited guests. Wait a minute. Are those birds in the studio? Do you hear them? Actually, Beth calls herself a professional noisemaker, and bird calls are her hidden talent. And I'll ask her more about her interest in bird whistles later in the podcast. Beth earned a bachelor's degree from Baylor University and a master's in music from Western Carolina University. And with that said, let me welcome Beth Porter to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Beth. Thank you, Mark. So at the 2004 National Day of Prayer in Washington, D.C., the following comment was made by President George W. Bush, I believe, from the research I I found. Yes, that's true. And he, he said, and I quote, prayer and songs of praise go together. And we're really thankful this afternoon for the beautiful music of the Washington Bach Consort, led by J. Riley Lewis. Thank you all for being here. And we are thankful for the voice of Beth Cram Porter. And I mean, what a voice. Thank you. Beth, when you heard those words from President Bush, what thoughts went through your head and mind? What am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, it was the most surreal experience that I'd had to that point in my life and maybe still I mean Leah Beth Cram little girl from born in Plainview Texas uh sitting in the east room of the White House with President George Bush and 200 of his invited guests and I'm the soloist for uh the White House ceremony for the day of prayer on May the 6th 19, uh, no, no, 2000, 2004. 2004. Yeah. 19. Good grief. Yeah. It's two days after my daughter, uh, had turned 10 and, um, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was humbling and honoring and surrealistic and pinch myself. See, it was real. How did it occur? So in March of 2004, I, I wish I could remember the day. I don't know. It's the, the Monday after spring break in okay. March. Okay. And on Sunday night, I remembered, oh, Beth, you've got to sing special music in chapel tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't prepared anything because I had forgotten about it. <laughs> um, and uh, that's when we used to have special music every day in chapel. Okay. Um, we would have corporate worship, but then there would always be uh, some kind of special music. Um, the speaker for that day 
was a gentleman named Tim Gagline. Oh, Gagline. Yeah, he, I remember when he came. Yeah. And so he, uh, at that point, was the mm-hmm. deputy director of the Office of Public Liaison, yep. I believe, at the White House, and met with uh, President Bush every morning yeah. and would debrief or brief him on the the day's events and things like that. So he was the speaker, and I, um, because I hadn't really remembered that I was singing, uh, my go-to uh, is always sit at the piano and play for myself and sing, mm-hmm. and it will usually be some sort of hymn. Uh, that's how I grew up. The first time I ever sang at, in church in public at First Baptist Church in Abilene, Texas, was uh, sitting and playing for myself. Mm. So um, I... I picked a beautiful arrangement of Jesus, Lover of My Soul, mm-hmm. very plaintive. Um, it was arranged by Ken Miedema, who is mm-hmm. a singer-songwriter, blind mm-hmm. singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just beautiful, very haunting melody. So I just sat down and did what I did and get in my own little world and sing and play. Mm-hmm. So I went back to my seat, and Tim gets up to speak, but he first turns directly to me, mm-hmm. And I don't know what he said, but it was profuse, and it was very complimentary mm. to the point that I thought, I need to crawl under the pew. Mm. Like, I mean, it was, it was just gushing. And um, after chapel, I thought, I need to tell him thank you, because he didn't have to do that. No. And it was it was just so eloquent and beautiful. I couldn't tell you one word that he said. Um and so I went to thank him for <laughs> thanking me. Right. And um I just happened to say, I'm from Texas. I'd love to sing for the president someday. Wow. And he said, Really? I'll tell him about you. I said, Really? And he said, Sure. I said, Can I give you a business card? And he said, absolutely. I said, okay, I'll be right back. So I had to run down the hall yeah. <laughs> to to my office and get a business card. And I really ran. At oh. that point, I could run. I don't know if I can run anymore, <laughs> but I, I ran. And you, weren't, you weren't wearing heels, were you? I don't know. I could probably, at that point, I could run in heels. Okay. Anyway, some students in the student lounge saw me running. And they said, what are you running? Where are you running, Miss Porter? I said, I told that. I told the speaker that I wanted to sing in the White House, and I'm running to get a business card for him. And they just howled with laughter. And I am not a real big self-promoter, but I thought, I really would love to sing for a Texas president. I'm a Texas girl. Yeah. Anyway, I wrote on the back of my business card, like, you know, from Texas, uh, Mm. grew up in Abilene, just some little facts about me. And I handed it to him, and I thought, oh, that. That's nice. He's now he's got my business card and it will find its way to the permanent file. Yeah. You know, the permanent file is the trash can. Trash can. Yeah. Um, so that was March. And I guess in April. Wow. My phone rang in my office. It was after chapel. If my phone rang like during a lesson, I just would ignore it and not answer it. But this was like after chapel before I started teaching a lesson at 11 and my phone rang and I picked it up and I said, Beth Porter. And this man said, uh, Beth, this is Kevin Smith and I'm calling you from the white house. And I was like, 
who's doing this? Who is this? And so I just listened thinking, because Mike DeCurchy was a real big prankster, still is. And But it wasn't his voice. And I thought, what student of this? Like, who is this? Right. And, you know, he, I said, yes. And he went on. He said, I got your name from Tim Gakeline, who heard you sing. And we'd like to invite you to be the featured soloist for the White House ceremony for the day of prayer. And I was like, okay, uh, yes. And he went on. And I was like, the more he talked, I was like, this is legit. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't say, okay, jerk, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh he said, you know, these are these are the these are the details and uh unfortunately we don't have any money to to get you up here. So as soon as I hung up, I emailed Dr. Bill Brown, who was then president, mm-hmm. and said, Dr. Brown, I've just been invited to sing at the White House. Could the university spare any change? He said, charge everything to the president's office. That's nice. And off we went. Amy Hutchison went with me to play for me. Okay. Um, and then I had, you know, a few few other guests that I invited. But um yeah, so that was at the kind of the height of, we were very negatively involved with Afghanistan. Okay. And I I thought to myself, why did they pick a song where one of the words sounds a whole lot like bomb? Right. Balm. <laughs> you know, so Oh, and and President Bush was late to to the ceremony um, because he was in the Rose Garden. Oh, I can't remember the with the president of of. Oh, it escapes me uh, because that was right when we had some really negative mm. prisoner of war and the treatment of of prisoners of sure. war. And he was apologizing mm. for our handling of yeah. prisoners of war. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know that I would have chosen that song to right. sing, but that's what they asked me to sing. And so when the White House asks you to do something, you just do it. You do it uh, graciously yeah. and thankfully. So yeah. did you have, any, have a side moment with the president? Um, we met him in the... Um, in the blue room, which is just right next door to the East Room. Okay. Um, you've seen the East Room mm-hmm. on on television. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the rooms they use for lots of things. Right. Um, and the blue room is is next door to that. And so, um, like the White House staff, they came and got me and my daughter, and because it was time to meet the president and have your photo mm. taken with him. Nice. And um, you have to go through a deeper level of security clearance whenever you're photographed with the president. Um, but the funny thing is when I got to the white house to go in, uh, you know, you have to, they said, go to this gate and da, da, mm-hmm. da, da, da. My name wasn't on the list. Oh no. And I had talked with them the day before, you know, and they made sure they had all my, yeah. whatever information they needed from me, but I somehow still was not on the list so I had to stand around in shoes that were really only meant for sitting <laughs> <laughs> or standing for short periods of time. Um, but I finally got in and, you know, you walk in and you're like, okay, this is just so bizarre. What am I doing? What right. am I doing here? Right. Um, 
Yeah, and the whole east wing was open to us. Mm-hmm. Like, there were no barriers whatsoever. We could sit in any of the furniture that we wanted to. There were no, you know, there nothing was off limits. Um, we had a reception in state room, state dining room. Uh, I met Oliver North, and I met the Dobsons. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, was Shirley the chair of that? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just, to, uh, President Bush did not come to the reception, but I sat next to him in the ceremony. And I'm talking with Beth uh, Porter, associate professor of vocal music and director of the department of music at Cedarville University. And Beth, you come from a very musical family, yes. specifically your dad was a composer of some famous hymns. What were some of the songs that he composed? Well, he was, he's, he's well-known and was well-known uh, really in choral music circles. Okay. And um, he's got a hymn in the, uh, the Broadman hymnal or the Baptist hymnal from the early 70s called Teach Me, O Lord, to Care. Uh, but he was very, very published and very, very well respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, you will still, I will still run into people who knew who knew my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, he's just a fabulous composer. He died at the age of forty-two. Oh, uh, I was thirteen. My mm. oldest sister was sixteen, and my youngest sister was eight. That's and, hard. Yeah, he was just. A, a beautiful, godly mm-hmm. man um, who, the one thing I remember uh, from his funeral service is, um, and I think it was A. Hope Owen, who had been the president of Wayland Baptist University, where my dad had worked at one point, said he never knew a man that sought after the will of God mm. more than my dad. Like your dad. Mm. Um, he was a, a wonderful man, um, just taken away way too soon. Yeah. That's a cherished memory and a, a legacy that you can yeah. cling to yeah. even today. Yeah. So like your dad, you compose music too, and you use some of your music with the women's choir here I at do. Cedarville. Um, what's that like? Um, well, you know, I've, I've never really been trained to compose, um, and I don't compose all the time. I went through a period um, like in the early, late 1999, 2000, 2001, where I wrote a lot. Um, and, you know, when you hear something in your head mm-hmm. and you think, oh, I think that would work. Like one of the pieces that I arranged that we do pretty much every year when Women's Choir, kind of like our signature piece, is called My Lips Will Praise You. Mm. And I heard it on the radio one time. I think I was in Springfield. And um, it's written by Twyla Paris. And um, I thought, oh, that would be such a pretty women's choir arrangement. And I think it would be gorgeous with sign language, too. Mm. I just had this thought. And, sure. and I went home and I wrote it. I arranged it. And, you know, got permission from the people that owned the song to arrange it for my choir. And, um, yeah, we do it every year. And... Um, it's a very simple song, but with sign language, it's just really profound. Mm. Uh, speaking of the women's choir at, at Cedarville, I think now's the perfect time um, to ask you, why do students call you Mama Porter? <laughs> and how did, how did that begin? Okay. I'm a, I, when you sent me those questions, I thought, okay, how did this start? 
There was a student, a music ed student. Her name was Hannah Tucker. Her name is still Hannah Tucker. She teaches in China at one of the international schools. And she's, I think she started the whole thing. Mama Porter. And now everybody calls me Mama Porter. Or just Ma. Sometimes yeah. just Ma. Or, or Mama P. Uh, and some parents call me Mama Porter. And I just think that's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't say anything. I just let them call me Mama Porter. Um, I think I think it's because I love my students like they're my kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I love them uh, freely, and I love them unconditionally, and I love them firmly when I need to. Tough love. Um, yep. Put my foot in their back when when they need it. And it, at some point, most all students need that. Yeah. Um, they get unmotivated or a little wayward. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's <laughs> – I used to think, well, that's, that's just kind of weird. But, you know, I think it's really, a, a for them, a term of endearment. Sure it is. Uh, that I'm just real with them. Right. And I love them real big, and I correct them real big. Yeah. It tells me, uh, from not knowing your students, that uh, there's a great relationship that you build with the students. And uh, there's a lot of other ways they could identify you, Uh but because they love you so much, that's... uh, I think it's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a term of honor. Um, You know, I like people. When I was asked to be chair, which was in 2007... I thought that is the craziest thing anybody's ever said to me. Like I did, I told I told the the, the um, chair at the time who was moving up to Dean. I said, "You're crazy," because I mean, I just I didn't really see myself. I, I'd never aspired to that. I, right. You know, that wasn't anything I really ever sought. Although I will say, I had spoken to the Lord. Uh, before that, and because I felt a little bit restless, like okay, I've done this, What's I've done next? this, yeah, like what, what do you want me to do now? And I thought maybe he was preparing me to move, or right, but it was to take uh, the position of chair. And um, I was so worried about uh, the budget. You know, how do I handle the budget? Yep. And how will I know what what counts for a course substitution? Uh, you know, all these things when when what I should have been concerned about was people yeah. and the relationships because um, that's what everything's about. Absolutely. And it doesn't really matter if you're in a secular job. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationship. Mm-hmm. Though people can be the absolute joy and then the hardest things yeah. in leadership. Yeah. Um, when when you get uh, crossways with somebody or somebody's not happy with you or um, I wasn't worried about that at all. Uh, the the first thing a- that happened when I w- took the chair job was I found a letter taped to my door on the first day of faculty staff sessions and it was somebody resigning. Oh, really? And I was like, uh... And so I, that was the first thing I handled. He didn't resign that day. I 
but yeah. You persuaded him to stay a little I longer. I did. Okay. I did. And he wasn't disgruntled with me. All right. Um, but yeah. Wow. So <laughs> you live and learn. You live and learn. You never know yep. what you're going to deal with no. when you're in positions like that. No. So um, I want to um, pivot to get to your story of forgiveness and grace, a uh, more serious um, maybe conversation, that you learned how to forgive and how to demonstrate grace as a result of a difficult period in your life. How have you been able to use some pain in your life to help restore others emotionally, spiritually, and physically? Well, I hope I have. I, you know, I've, I tell the Lord often and have told him, uh, for a long time, Lord, please use me, but don't let me know it. Yeah. I, uh, as an artist, it's, it's a great prayer. It's very easy to, you know, you have to be uh, almost consumed with self because of the kind of of work that we that I used to do a whole lot more. I don't perform nearly like I used to, and I'm I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, so Lord, please use me, but but don't even let me know it. Just, yeah. just use me. Um, you want to be tone deaf. Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't want to be able to take any credit for anything that is obviously the work of God. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I say, I hope I have, um, I have, um, like I said earlier, um, when I moved here in 1997, that, uh, was the beginning of a long seven-year period where mm-hmm. my marriage mm-hmm. was dying and uh, finally finally died. And, um, oh, man, uh, for those of you who are listening that have been through it or maybe going through something like this, um, uh, don't despair. Um, there is life and hope and joy and love and... Uh, all good things to come, but uh, in the midst of it, it's pretty tough. Um, I knew that if I was going to call myself a child of God, a follower of Christ, that forgiveness was not an option. It was, uh, it was a command. You know, um, I understood how much I had been forgiven mm-hmm. by Jesus. And if I was going to be a follower of his, then I had to imitate him. Right. Um, and um, he forgave things uh, for all of us that he didn't deserve. He didn't right. ask for. He willingly did it uh, out of his love for us, but also his love for his father. And his father asked him to do this. And he mm-hmm. was obedient mm-hmm. to the point of death. Um, so I didn't. I didn't feel like I could be authentically Christian if I wasn't willing to do the work of forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Mm-mm. It isn't a um, passing thought. It is work. It's an act of the will. Yes, it is a volitional choice mm-hmm. of of uh, your will, and it is choosing every day, every minute, every second, yeah. um, because... That is not what your flesh wants to do. Mm-hmm. Your flesh wants retribution. Your flesh and your brain tells me that your anger is righteous and therefore okay. Yeah. Um, and that is not at all what the scriptures tell us. 
So, um, you know, you, you choose it over and over and over and you submit and commit your, your will and your brain and your thinking and your heart and your soul to, to God for him to do that horrible, horrible, difficult work of, Mm. of breaking you. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's never over. Mm -mm. Uh, in divorces, you know, it's never over. There's always, because my flesh could easily go back and right. and be bitter. Mm-hmm. I knew that I didn't want to be a bitter person. And I knew that forgiveness was the antidote to bitterness. Mm-hmm. Somehow I knew that, yeah, you know. That's right. Um, and I also didn't want that legacy for my daughter. I didn't want her to grow up with a mother who was bitter. Right. And unloving. And, you know, forgiveness and love are two sides for me of the same coin. Um, so, yeah, it was a very difficult, gut wrenching journey, but uh, also beautiful. Uh, because when, when you see that God has done this remarkable work in you of completely renewing your mind and the way you think about whoever whoever has hurt you um it it you know it was confirmation to me that I am his and he is mine it's a tough way to be reminded of that yes but it, it it's a great yeah. reminder isn't it mm-hmm. yeah well and i i think you know i um I have shared my story a whole lot on the campus of Cedarville. Yeah. In um in a class called Counseling and Mentoring Women. Okay. When my friend Shelly Lopez taught it, mm-hmm. she would bring me in. Mm-hmm. Tom Hutchison still brings me into one of his Christian ed classes. Mm. Um and to talk about my experience yeah. and um so I've 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 shared it a lot. And it is important because we we even though we work on our Christian campus, we still work on a broken campus, yep. and and lives, our students' lives, our our colleagues' yeah. lives, yeah. are broken at times. Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't take very long to to no. break a life. No. Um, we get these students. You know, every year we get eighteen to twenty two year olds. Somehow, I've gotten older every year, but they've stayed the same age. You don't look older. <laughs> well, thank you. You're all so far apart. We're far apart. We've got socially distanced podcast going on. We are. Yeah. Um, but you know, these eighteen year olds that come in that are just broken. Yeah. And a lot of them from from homes of divorce or homes where abuse has occurred and um yeah. So you know, my job, even though my job is musical, it's it's people. Yeah. I'm teaching the person. Yeah. I'm hoping to help transform people through music. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, doesn't matter what your your title says, Mm-mm. we're still teaching. So I'm talking with Beth Porter about her love of music and teaching at Cedarville University. But as we wrap up the program in the final few minutes, now's the time to turn and focus on Beth's interesting and famous bird calls. 
the really important this stuff. This is really important yeah. stuff. So Beth, let me start by asking you to do the bird call of my favorite bird. Okay. And that's the cardinal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like they're people on the podcast are going, that's a whistle. That's not really her. I'm telling you it's her. It's me. People, it's me. I wouldn't lie to you. I'm gonna hear the blue jay. Uh, I don't do I don't do blue jays. They what? they're kinda ugly. You well, know, they're pretty birds. Well, yeah, but they 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 kind of call. They don't. They're not a songbird. Okay, what do you do? I just I just whistle. I Give just me another bird. Um, I just make it up. I, you know. I How about can, a wren? Um, they're they're. I don't know what a wren sounds like. I don't either. <laughs> okay, let me ask this. So funny enough, I did my bird calls yesterday in Longhorn Steakhouse. Did you really? I did. Because uh, Wilma Miller, who used to own Main Street Station and then Mrs. Miller's Diner, she was in there and she came over and she said, I, I really thought I'd hear some birds. And I, and I had a mouthful of food. I said, she said, do it for me when I come back from the restroom. So I whistled in Longhorn, did my bird calls yeah. in Longhorn. And these guys <laughs> sitting at this booth across, they were all just kind of like. And her little <laughs> granddaughter Really wanted to come over, but she I was a stranger, so she didn't. So, yeah, I, I, I get requests all the time. What's your favorite bird to Well, I think cardinal because I do it well. You do? Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. Do, do robins have a... They do, but they're kind of... They, they, they kind of war, warble, I guess, a little bit. So I, I, wish you could, I wish they could see what I'm doing. Maybe they don't want to see that. Yeah, I've got my finger going blah, 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 on my lips. So, wow. any final bird that you want to? Oh no, uh, I have done. So there's a a famous composer, Italian composer, whose last name is Respighi, and he loved birds. Uh, there's a composer, a French composer named Messiaen, who also loved birds. But Respighi wrote a piece, a symphonic piece, orchestral piece called "The Pines of Rome." And in it, there is a section where they do bird. There's mm-hmm. bird calls. Mm-hmm. And when symphonies do it, they, they have this tape, I guess, that comes along with it. And it's a, a recorded thing of birds. Mm-hmm. But I did it live <laughs> with an orchestra. Did you really? Yeah, I sat with the percussion section. And when it was time for the bird calls, I stood up and whistled. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Where was that? It was in Brevard, North Carolina. Oh, wow. How much fun is that? You <laughs> You get around and you use some fun stuff. Yeah. That's great. Hey, Beth, um, we're out of time, and uh, I, but I want to get to one, one final question, and that is at the heart of the Cedarville Stories podcast, our goal is to tell Cedarville stories for God's glory. Mm-hmm. How are you bringing God glory through your life? Oh, gosh. That, you couldn't end with an easy question, could you? Oh, it's easy. Um, well, I hope I'm obedient to what he's called me to do. Um. I try to follow Christ and pray that there's a whole lot less of me and a whole lot more of him, like we read in John. Um, I I pray that um, the jobs that he's given me to do, which is leading the Department of Music and Worship as chair, mm-hmm. um, I hope I do that with grace and with love mm. and with um, excellence and with sensitivity 
um, you know, we're we're all about integrating our faith mm-hmm. at Cedarville into the classroom, into our subject matter, and I've I think it boils down to be Jesus, mm. imitate Jesus, yeah. tell tell His truth, um, be very interested in the people that God puts in your path, yeah. and love them with the love of Christ and. Um, don't try to do anything in your own strength. Yeah. I pray before every class I teach, every lesson I teach, dear Lord, help me do this job. Yeah. I cannot do it without you. Mm. That's so. good advice. And uh, thanks for sharing uh, uh, in, these, uh, in this podcast, uh, your life, your, your journeys, your struggles, your joys, even your bird calls. It was <laughs> great to have you on the program today, Beth. Thanks, thanks. for joining Thanks me. for asking. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.